Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays Today podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick, and today is a very special, special episode. Woohoo! Not because Jesus has risen, although he has. Praise God, it's Easter. We got Jesus to be on the podcast, you guys. <laughs> That's the first dude! <laughs> it's Jesus! We're not even going to go into the soapbox as to whether Jesus would appreciate being called a male, but I don't know. I've heard it described as he's the perfect um, symbol and understanding because he is male body, but very feminine energy. You just, that, okay, I, like I don't know why that resonated in your head. No, I mean, <laughs> but think about that. Think of Jesus's entire life was very, or especially his death, was very passive. Like it's not the typical male energy to allow yourself to be killed. Why didn't God decide it to be like a boss ass female then? Part of, I, mean, I know I know the answer to that. I've heard different theories, but yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, no. Today is a special episode because um, we do have the first the first boy on. Other than me, I have to keep saying that. I'm Kirby, by the way. Thanks for introducing me. You've been on enough. People just know. should know. They should know. This is Kirby. He's my co-host. Um, so with this, uh, today we have Stu and Hillary Bittman. And I mean, we kind of cheated. We didn't like just have a boy. We don't really have that scheduled yet. And it's, again, it's not that I'm opposed, but like a lot of what I want, what I kind of wanted to do was start having conversations um, with other married couples mm -hmm. about that work together. Because Curb and I um, work together. We do? We, we do everything together. No, and I think it's a good um, transition period of like, there was a period of the podcast where we talked about like all female, four females. Um, but I think as we get farther into further. Thank you. Down the road. Um it's transitioned into what, what do people need? The audience has grown a little bit and this is just the natural progression of what I think the listeners and what you want to talk about right now. Yeah. And then because reminder, 
It's my damn podcast. And we talk about what I want to talk about. And then as you need or as the as the need arises, having a, a solo male guest on will happen. But oh, it's absolutely. just not, it didn't feel necessary at the moment. Well, what keeps happening is, is like I, so for instance, our next male guest, who I'm not going to tell you who, um, but he's very salty. He's the second male. We'll just say that, not the first. Um, I was like, yeah, I want that episode. Oh, but I really know, I want to know his and his wife's relationship. Like, I want to talk to them. And so, and then the same thing's happening with like David Fletcher. I'm like, yeah, I want David on for sure. But like, I want to talk to David about him and Nancy. And mm -hmm. like, you know, like, so it just kind of keeps like, It'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. But right now, again, it's my podcast and it's what I'm in the mood to do of like, I just want to have real conversations with other, um, powerful couples. Mm -hmm. And I don't even mean powerful and like dominating because I mean, Stu and Hillary are powerful. Like you just hear them and their relationship and the wisdom. And they've done so much interesting stuff and impacted yeah. so many people's lives. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Cool. The cat is out of the bag. Jesus has is Je no. Jesus is out of the tomb. I thought you were say Jesus is out of the bag. It's like huh. no. I transitioned. Mm. I created my own Easter pun. Very punny. Yep. So, without further ado, we, sh we you should read the bio. Okay, so I will read their bio, and this is probably a condensation and way less than even the things that they've done. They've both done such amazing things, but here we go. So Stu and Hillary Bittman are published authors, international public speakers, and workshop leaders, healers, coaches, spiritual leaders, and peaceful warriors. Coming from an eclectic and extensive background of healing and spiritual traditions, they have inspired people all over the world with their practical message of hope and healing. For over 30 years, the Bittmans have lived their mission to awaken the awareness of oneness between the spirit and the spiritual and the physical. They operated Safe Haven Chiropractic, a healing center based on donations for only donations only for 24 years. Thousands of individuals and families were given the opportunity to embrace their gifts, pursue their dreams, and find the peace and wholeness that resides within all of us. Stu and Hillary travel the world teaching the principles of life and have participated in seven chiropractic missions in Central America, bringing those principles to manifestation for literally hundreds of thousands of people. And they're amazing. They really are amazing. And he talks a little bit about the mission work in the episode, which is cool. When we talk about the box on the wall. Mm-hmm. Which is scary, but very interesting. Yeah, I'm me. too controlling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we would be implementing that anytime soon. We, well, we have to work through on. some of our own I will issues. rephrase that. At this point in my life, I don't think that my personality and that would work well, but I am open to possibilities of change. I love it. I am curious if there are any box on the wall chiropractors still functioning not functioning like still practicing i would think so it's gotta be i mean there's like there's been examples of like restaurants and stuff that have used it in coffee shops and stuff oh i would where's a coffee shop well not around here Whoa. but like in a major city i feel like i read a news article about one it was probably in like seattle or something like that and i don't know if they're still going that's the hard part but i think here's the thing is i think you have to if you're gonna do it i think you have to be in a mental place where you aren't measuring it against a metric. Like, I don't think you can do like, we're going to do box on the wall. And also our goal is to have $200,000 of profit this year. You know, those coffee mofos 
you know, chiropractors get a bad rap all the time for like not charging what they should for like you're devaluing chiropractic. You know, who's not devaluing their product? Starbucks. Yeah. Like the, I'm, I don't know anything, but here I am with a very strong opinion about it. What? This is such a surprise from <laughs> oh you. Oh my God. Hot we, take from Lauren. I can't believe it. Me over here with 0% agreeableness from Kirby sent me a damn like personality test two weeks ago and was like, oh, I'm pretty sure it was a sneaky way to find out if I'm a narcissist. Just so we're clear, I think that was why. There's no way to it. So he's like, I just be, I paid for you to do this this personality test, I'd be really interested in your results. And so it's that in my inbox for a couple of weeks. Don't worry, I'm getting back to Starbucks. But, and I finally got around to do it. And this damn thing told me I am zero percentile for agreeableness, mm-hmm. fourth percentile for compassion. Uh, what was the other zero percent? Um, oh, it was something, it was something that like you really want to be high in, like likability or something like that. No, it was something like, it wasn't empathy, but it was something. No, empathy, compassion, I got 4%. Okay. I was 94% neurotic, neuroticism. Yep. Which Doesn't is like, like volatility of emotion. Yeah. So anyways, back to Starbucks. I don't know anything about coffee profitability, but there is no way they need to be charging $9 for my cold brew. No, but I mean, they're a public corporation. Box on the wall. You want would, Starbucks to go box on the wall? I, no, I'm just sure saying if it was box on the wall, I don't think a single person would be slipping a tenzi in there. Probably not. No, but like five bucks. Yeah, I could see that. But I mean, they've figured out their whole model and their whole brand is to be kind of signaling that you have money and that you're part of their tribe. So they set it up in a very different way than a, than a box on the wall ethos. Like... Right. Anyways, I'm just saying I'd be very interested in a box and wall coffee shop. Maybe you should start one. You're not busy. <laughs> Don't tempt me. I'm a three. Did we get into the Enneagram with them? No, we didn't. I had it on the list of questions, <sighs> but it's one of those things of I, I almost wish with them. They're too zen. They're too zen for me. Okay, so rule number one of Enneagram, do not self-diagnose other people of their Enneagram types. But I do that all the time Mm -hmm. i can't with them no i think whatever they are they're so healthy Healthy. in it Mm -hmm. that as you get healthier in any one you start to like bring in your shadow side you start to get that kind of under control and more beauty comes out of you i i think that's what one of the enneagram books said of like if you're extremely healthy in any of these it's going to look generous and peaceful and thoughtful and patient like it's why it's so hard for people to determine mine. Yeah. They're just like, man, I just can't. God, she's just so bad. awesome at all the things. She's and the best of so all numbers. So agreeable. Whatever. So compassionate. <laughs> I, I don't know. All right. Anyways, let's, let's get on to the peaceful part of the, the podcast. So we don't need to pray. Oh yeah. We sprung that. We sprung that on them. Yeah. Remember when you hear this prayer, this podcast is free and you're getting like full on Hillary Bittman. Yeah. Claire. She probably should have billed us for that. Yeah. Yeah. We, this, this, she would have sent treat. a box on the wall invoice. We should, honestly, we could donate to, to their cause and stuff. Find out. Well, now we're absolutely going to. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. without further ado, uh, the very first date night. Oh, okay. Actually, that's not, not 
Uh, true. Because we did, yeah, we did one with Lola Tamara. Episode number 100 was our first date night. So this is actually our second date night. So I say first, but I... Which, by the way, two for two on amazing cow. people for date night. Yeah. I mean, we're it's going to be hard to, to keep this pace up. Our podcast friends are way cooler than our real friends. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're not listening. They don't. They <laughs> And that was a joke to the people who are. I'm just kidding. You're awesome. We love you. Thanks for going to layman's with us. Okay. So without further ado, date night number two, the first boy on the podcast, Stu and Hillary Bittman. Enjoy. Okay. Well, I really haven't figured out any better way than introducing people than just saying welcome to the She Slays the Day (laughs) podcast, you two. Sounds good. Now, before every episode, um, I do some sort of like a prayer. The prayers have kind of gotten weirder and more spiritual and more meditative. Um, But I did not warn you at all for this. But Stu, would you be willing to open up or Hillary, either one of you, would you, Hillary, would you be willing to open us up in just a prayer to get our minds right for this conversation? I think I could handle that. Awesome. So, so just to be clear though, like you don't want it. Um, my prayers are, are inclusive and I you don't do you boo. That sounds okay. great. All right. Okay. Go for it. So let's do oh, it. Just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, we all so, quiet, <laughs> yeah. So let's get quiet. Let's go to the quiet, the stillness, the bigness within, closing our eyes, taking a breath, dropping into our hearts. Where the God of our own knowing lives, by whatever name we call it, but we know it as love. We define it as love. And feeling that expansion of love within us. Connecting us to our biggest, best self. Bringing us peace. Our heart's wisdom available to us. Standing firmly in love, foundation of love, fully aligned with love right now. And for this, we are so grateful. And so it is. Uh Oh, thank you. That was perfect. Yeah, no, that, like I I said, my, um, so, so was this for just us or was this yeah. for everybody? That's for everyone. That's for everyone. Oh, everyone just heard that. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> everyone, yeah, no. everyone got it. <laughs> okay. That so was pretty good for a first time ever. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you guys are officially, you know, in 2022, you know, so the podcast has been around for two, almost three years. It'll be like three years very quickly. And I haven't had a single boy on. And um, so... Other than me, I've done some guest stuff, but I don't count. I'm just awesome. He doesn't count. Um, (laughs) And so when we were looking at 2022, it really just didn't feel authentic to be 
excluding based like it kind of like where the podcast was going and the audience and stuff like it just didn't feel congruent anymore. And so one of the things that we wanted to start doing was actually we're starting uh, kind of like a mini series within the podcast uh, that I'm I've decided to name date night. I didn't ask Kirby if you like it. Um, so this is our first ever date night, um, where we just wanted to sit down and kind of like, if we were out for dinner together, just two couples, um, that are on this path of really focusing on putting our marriage first, um, but also trying to make an impact, uh, hopefully get paid for that impact from time to time. And like, we know the struggles and sometimes we, we kind of feel like we're on this lonely Island of like, Mm. you know, we love each other and then, but there were parents and then we're coworkers and we're this. And so like, we just wanted to insert inviting people that we look to, that we were, you know, kind of blessed to have met or know of in some situation and just kind of sit down and, and talk and like two couples. So welcome to the first date night. We love All right. it. Yeah. Well, we haven't had a date in a while. So <laughs> no. or we have a date every day, That's true. actually. So I like that. I like that way of thinking of it better. <laughs> so, yeah. So starting it out, kind of share with people who don't know you two kind of like what you're the, the short end of the story. Cause I'm sure you could, this could you be like three so hours. Much. Yeah. Yes. So like, how did you two come to be, how did you two come to work together and catch us up? Oh, oh for it's too. Yeah. Two 65 year olds. That could be, that could take a really long time. Um, let's see real quick version. Hillary was always into spiritual spirituality on some level. I wasn't, I was left brain scientist. We met in the mid seventies. I was six. This is the quick version. (laughs) (laughs) She's considerably older. Anyway, Anyway, uh, I used to make fun of her for that kind of thing, et cetera. I went to chiropractic school, still really not having spiritual grounding. It was in chiropractic that I found finally what Hillary apparently always saw in me. Um, And then we started working together and it ended up, we did everything together. We, We practiced for 24 years together. We... Then we went into ministry and we did that together. We were co-ministers. But even when we raised our daughter, she was homeschooled. So we were all together. We went on, you know, chiropractic mission trips or we went to uh, gatherings, Sigafoo's gatherings, and we all went as a family. So we kind of all grew up doing everything together. Yeah. Well, thank you. That sped it up considerably. (laughs) (laughs) So so really, you guys have been working together like just being partners in everything for decades like Pretty there was much. no I mean, I, like leaving or like one person working on one part of their career and the other it's always been really intimately connected no. i mean i you know i sometimes I, I am more of the public speaker so i tend to travel sometimes without her especially for a bunch of years we had a dog that we couldn't leave at home <laughs> But um, even the stuff I do on my own, going to seminars, I mean, she's always part of it. She's she's always uh, 
reading my notes. <laughs> so making them better. So yeah. So <laughs> I'd say better. on it's every on every level, better. there's you can't really separate <laughs> the two of us on this journey. We cannot. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Well, yeah, and it has been cool. One of the things I was curious about is, you know, Lauren talks to a lot of chiropractors on the show, um, but with you guys also having the experience of running a church, I found that really fascinating. And I wanted to just hear more about that. What was that church like? Um, you know, your, your opening prayer was so, was so inclusive. And I love how you talk about finding God in whatever language we call that. What was the, the structure of your church? Was that a a Unitarian? Was that a Christian? Was that a all faith? How, what was that like? It's a good question. It was, it was actually a unity center. Okay. So I don't know if you know anything about unity. It's often <laughs> confused with Unitarian. It's, it's called new thought. I don't know if you've heard of religious science or centers for spiritual living. So, so it is a spiritual movement. It's definitely more spiritual than religious. It has definitely Christian uh, undertones because the people who founded it were definitely uh, more traditional. But again, it's all metaphysical. It's all um, it's all much more inclusive. And even though the Bible is considered the textbook, again, it's it's all looked at metaphysically and kind of how it applies to us in our lives. And and it's chiropractic. It's it's, exactly. it's that's the main thing. The principles. Unity is based on five principles. Chiropractic is based on thirty-three, and for me, that's only because Stevenson was a very wordy guy. It could have been, could have been. <laughs> no, I really, I five. look at the thirty-three. I'm like, I feel like this could be consolidated. It definitely could have been like seven or something like yeah. that. But <laughs> so, if you took the thirty-three and you distilled them uh, down, you'd probably get very close to the five. Uh, there's one in Unity about prayer and meditation, which is probably not necessarily part of chiropractic but yeah but very much inside out very much all uh, of that aligning with the wisdom within you yeah and that you know and that divinity is within all of us not just within all of us but is pretty much what we are and who we are so um, you you said in the beginning that you didn't like she, hillary was the spiritual one so where did you, how did this transition from you being non-spiritual and you said it happened in chiropractic school? Like, was there like, it not happened, in school? It happened no. a few years after. No, no, I was okay. valid. I was valedictorian at LACC. <laughs> I was, uh, I still would have laughed at you about spiritual things. Uh, you know, if you couldn't isolate it in a test tube and prove it to me, it just didn't exist. I don't know how many years later. So yeah, it was, it was five uh, years later, maybe seven. five years after graduation. I'd already caught a glimpse of the chiropractic uh, philosophy and idea, and the first time I heard that, it, it, it even though I didn't realize I had this big hole in my chest, it filled it. It was like it, it was like something was obviously missing from all the stuff I'd believed before, even though it, I felt pretty secure in it. I realized that science was, you know, just just an attempt to explain things and pretty much not what you'd want to base anything on. Totally. That was a pre that was a premonition. Um, <laughs> so it's actually uh, listening to a, probably the first talk I ever heard about quantum physics by this guy named Dean Black, who used to teach at, teach at Parker. 
uh, at Parker School and at Parker Seminar. Yeah, I wish I don't know Gene. Uh, yeah, he, he kind of disappeared, <laughs> but his stuff is great. We need to resurrect it. So he, yeah. so he was talking. He, so anyway, I won't tell you what he was talking about, but I had this incredible like aha or revelation or or whatever you want to call it. Um, like the entire floor disappeared under me. The entire foundation of my belief system in my life sort of disappeared, and and then the next room I wandered into because I felt lost at that point was Sigafus. And yeah, so so that was my first opening, shall we say. And then I just explored that and read everything, went everywhere I could about so the I'm more spiritual. So you're five years into practice though. And so like I had um not not nearly that story, but like I didn't know the principles at all when I graduated was I wouldn't say I was science-based but I was like I did not use the word subluxation like those people were weird um and about four or five years into practice I started to switch and like into a more subluxation-based practice and that I had to transition that over months like myself I had to like let that download kind of like integrate and then like I had to like play around with like explaining concepts like that I was explaining one way and now I'm explaining another and I'm like okay in my head and how that came out didn't um so I'm picturing you being at this because I'm assuming Hillary this whole time you were much more philosophical chiropractor in the practice no, no. I mean, I had this spiritual bent. Hillary, Hillary is not I was, a licensed chiropractor. Okay. And I was pretty unconscious um, taking that spirituality, you know, into my life and into responsibility for what was going on, you know, that that it had to do anything with me and my feelings. So even though it was spiritual, it, 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 it didn't connect me yet. Okay. So, so our okay. practice... So her, her idea of chiropractic was what I told her. Yep. Was okay. You so know, we saw our... coming home then from this weekend and like Monday being like, okay, Hallelujah. well, we got to change all of this. <laughs> Can you talk about how, because that is something that a lot of people ask me is when they start like wanting to switch and like start melding the worlds of their spirituality and their belief system into what they're doing with an adjustment. Like, can you talk to us about how you integrated that into your whole life and not just like Hillary, kind of like, how are you saying you were compartmentalizing? Well, what Stu was saying that we started going to Sigafoos gatherings. So that was a commitment of, four gatherings a year, once every three months for like four days where we were immersing ourselves in self-development practices. And while we were, we were practicing there how to speak in this new way in front of, you know, other chiropractors that were supporting us. It was a safe environment. So we were practicing how to speak, how to explain subluxation. You know, what, what's your two minute, three minute elevator talk going to be to explain chiropractic now? But we were also working on ourselves at the same time. And I don't think the two can be separated. At least it hasn't been separated in, in our life, in chiropractic life. So I, I, I have to say that I, I think part of me embracing owning embodying was actually forcing myself to say things differently i i was i was sharing stuff with people that i was not a thousand percent convinced of myself yet i think 
but that's kind of was a Sigafoos thing too, to act as if, <laughs> and, and I think it helped awaken because, you know, I don't think it repeating things or affirmations, I, I don't think they necessarily like brainwash us into being different than we are. I think they just allow us to remember what we've forgotten more than that. So I think by actually walking through and forcing myself to say and do things differently, you know, and obviously having a sense of purpose and, and knowing that what I was doing was bigger than what I had thought was very helpful too. Um, but yeah, what you said was probably the, the key but for we, starting on that. We didn't put any pressure on ourselves to throw out the entire way of practice either. I mean, I hear that with a lot of, you know, clients that they feel like they have to just stop everything they're doing. And, and that's almost impossible to go forward with. So, Or, or I'm not going to change anything because they won't like the change and all. So I got to tell you that I had about, about eight people at the, when we retired that were with us from the very beginning. Oh, wow. And, and so, and there would have been a lot more, but we live in a town where half the people leave every year. So, <laughs> um, you know, we have to throw in some excuses there. When we talk about numbers, we are in chiropractic. Aren't we? But uh, <laughs> As you did that transition, did you have, though, did you lose people who went like, well, you're going woo-woo and I'm not woo-woo and I'm out? Or did people come along with the ride? I imagine we did because we never really know why we lose people, do we? That's but, cool. you know, but uh, I don't think we lost that many because we felt so right about it. And I think that's always the key to it. If I, if I, if it felt right to me and I knew everything I was doing was for their benefit as well, mm. then, yeah. So I was going to say that the people who were with us at the end, I mean, they experienced half hour visits with me at the beginning with like multiple therapies and stuff. I, mean, I, can't, oh, I, remember that. I can't even tell you what I did for half an hour. I wish I had films. <laughs> it, it's like, it's mind boggling to me. And then, and then, you know, towards the end, they're getting them in a minute and a half, you know? Yeah. So it's pretty amazing. I know people find that hard to believe, but uh, when we, when we feel right about it, I think most people were okay with it. Right. But, but also what I loved about like your, your uh, health talks, like before folks came in, they had to come to a health talk or just our whole education process along the way. Like you never made anybody feel like what they were doing was wrong because that was the old way. And now we're into this new way. You know how you start like, like a smoker who stops smoking. Well, the smokers are wrong and they're made to feel ashamed or whatever. We never did that. You never did that with people. You just explained what you had learned mm -hmm. and you allowed them to kind of mull it over and say, like, doesn't that make sense to you? Think about it. And, you know, wouldn't you rather have that, this new way of being, thinking about chiropractic, whatever, than the old way? And they made their own decisions. So when people make their own decisions, they always feel good about it. Well, it was hard for me to judge them when I had been on the same Mm -hmm. I mean, myself, right? a, a beauty in the fact that you were from the other side if you, there are sides and you transition so you can see it from both of those perspectives mm -hmm. instead of just being an indoctrinated true believer from birth who goes like uh, <laughs> don't you're outside yeah and somehow maybe even more meaningful like Sigafoos went to national and I went to LACC it's like it's like when you discover something that's so different and it fills you it might be even more meaningful than just having grown up with it or something, you know, because I think people like me tended to question it more. 
you know, so when you arrive at it and it feels so right, it's like, wow, it's, it's, it's huge, you know? So, so I want to ask uh, kind of, I want to talk about the like yin and yang masculine, feminine energy um, of relationship and running a business. So um, Hillary, I haven't gotten to spend time with you, um, but like Stu, when we were in Sedona, you know, like, I feel like so much of running a business, like when you're the doctor and you're the one who's like bringing home the income, um, there's just all these logistics and things like that. And it really pushes me into a much more masculine energy state. Um, and then Kirby is my support. He's the non-licensed chiropractor who runs the business and is like there for our kids, making sure that, you know, while I'm adjusting and things like that. And so then that kind of forces him into this feminine energy state. And so like, I would say, you know, having seven-year-old and 10-year-old, um, one of the biggest things that we have been working on in our mid thirties, um, and doing all of the things is trying to find that balance because when I am in the masculine state and not embracing my feminine energy, that obviously does certain things to our relationship. And then like vice versa, did you guys always have it really super balanced? Did you have, can, did you have to find that? Cause you really exude that you both have this very nice balance in your marriage. Has it always been that way? <laughs> is he shaking his head? <laughs> I was Hillary just... is shaking her head. <laughs> well, you know, balance is always easier to restore when I let you answer questions like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we did have to find our own way too, because in the beginning it was I'm the chiropractor, you know, in from his point of view. I'm the chiropractor. I know what I want. I know what I need. Not that I did, but <laughs> right. No, but, but, I can relate. But there was that perception that I was not as meaningful in the the relationship of, you know, safeguarding our, our practice and, and that kind of thing. So we definitely had to learn it where I felt confident enough to share what I knew to be you know, helpful. And he had to learn to accept it. And then I also had to learn how to accept, you know, I have a big masculine streak. So I had to learn how to accept his recommendations to me. So it definitely took a while. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, I think we worked out a lot of that already because we we have this sort of dynamic flowing back and forth male and female energy going sometimes it's probably the opposite to the way it would appear who has more of which but um yeah as far as what hillary was talking about absolutely we we um i mean i i think i embraced the importance of her role before she did Mm, but but I, I always saw, I mean, I, I, I couldn't have done anything that I did without it. I mean, and I, and I wish I remembered to say that every time I speak anywhere, because, uh, you know, Patsy Sigafoos just passed away and it just reminded me 
you know, she, she used to do, she used to pack a suitcase. She used to unpack a suitcase. She used, she used to tell him where he was going next. She, you know, Hillary hasn't quite done that That's much. That's not my role. But, no. but, it's not my role. So that was a pure, that was a pure male, female, clearly yeah. delineated thing, but somehow they worked it out. And, but again, he could not have had the impact he had without, there's no way he, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have made it to the next gig. Because he he would have to call her from the airport to find out where he was going next. No, but now I would say very confidently in this point of time that we would not have had as successful a safe haven chiropractic center as we did without me. And I, I know that for a fact that I added my special gifts and my understanding of chiropractic and wholeness and, and everything else that went with it and educating our folks and his specialty and gift was the specific adjustment. And of course his personality of enveloping them in love too. So we definitely, we both of us had a balance of masculine, and feminine within each of us that just mm-hmm. we went back and forth and back and forth. And it was kind of perfect because some of the things that she did required a more masculine energy, like confronting people and stuff like that, which was not my thing at all. So, you know, and nobody ever bothered me. Nobody, you know, I never, they never patched a phone call through. It was like, I was so insulated and mostly because she could handle all that and she could handle all that better than I could. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a story Kirby that, that this... could definitely be coming and handling more problems for me. Okay, good. Well, well, <laughs> Sorry, no, Kirby. Maybe, maybe, Kirby, maybe you should be having a conversation with Hillary afterwards. But, <laughs> but we had we had a patient who came in and consistently complained about one. Yeah, we didn't call them patients, but I've. I've <laughs> it's I don't, easier I don't to call after, them patients. After twenty years, I still don't know another word. So. <laughs> one of our folks. We called them folks. Uh, but like you can't, that. you got to be careful in the singular when you call them folks, but <laughs> you got to pronounce it really clearly. So, so this, <laughs> this woman, how about that? She would consistently complain about one policy that we had. We were doing the box on the wall. It was a, cry, a requirement to come in at least once a month to use the box on the wall. She would always push it. Hillary would confront her on it. And she says, one time she came back and she said, I don't come here to see her. I, co- I come here to see you. And I said, you know what? You wouldn't like me nearly as much <laughs> if it wasn't for her. And I was so proud of that response. That was like the best yeah. thing. I, yeah. you, know, you know, it was one of those where you go home and you wish you had said something. No, man, that was you actually, you actually like, said right the on. thing you I wanted. I could not have come up with something better than that. That was perfect. And she looked at me and she never complained again. Yeah, so you guys that. did, you were a box on the wall clinic. Was it that entire time or did you, was this after the, the epiphany and the weekends? How did, and how the heck did that transition go? Bob, no longer do you have to pay me $40. You can pay me whatever you want. <laughs> really? That's just like easiest implementation ever. That, that was a lot later after we'd been on a bunch of chiropractic missions and saw the simplicity, just two, really? Yeah, I don't remember. But we saw the simplicity of just serving without any attachments. And, and you know, as the years went on and we continued our work, our, our faith in abundance and where abundance comes from and just how the universe works and, and all the principles we were talking about and educating about, we just said, we have to dive in and we have to say, we believe them just like everything else. Yeah. So it just followed organically. 
So mm-hmm. was that was that a thing where you had the faith and that you felt moved to do it? Or was that kind of the saying it and doing it before you really believed it? Because personally, I'm so numbers driven and so numerically minded that I would go like, I, I don't know about this. Like, I- similarly, it was it was it was similar because we did it when it felt right, when I couldn't not do it. Okay. Just because of the feeling. But I, I think in the case of the box, we waited longer than we did with some other things. Um, for one thing, I got no support from coaches, from mothers. From the, only, the only one who was okay with it was Hillary, thankfully. Um, everybody thought I was crazy. So, and then, it, but, but by that point in my life, if you thought I was crazy, there was, there had to be something good about it. So, so that was an attractive feature. But we were pretty strong already in our beliefs that it would work. Um, we were, we were still a little anxious, a little scared, a little nervous as, as you are when you go to dive into something new, but we were pretty excited also that it would work and that it would just free us up so much. And we would just see unbelievable results and, and practice the way we wanted to practice not excluding anybody and it was pretty pretty wonderful it was fun it was fun were you, and yeah were you guys did you have the unity center at that point or did the unity center come so later? let's see i got the vision of chiropractic in about 91 panama mission was 97 90 two panama the first two were in 97 so it was the beginning of 98 that we started doing the box and no, Unity came around about 2005 or six or something like that. Okay. So that oh, was, okay. Uh, so yeah, because I mean, the reason I asked is because, so just a few weeks ago, this came up because there's conversations we're having as our clinic, you know, and we're looking at growth, but like with growth and the high volume clinic, it can really just turn into like numbers really quickly and it beca- can become gross. And so, um, at church one weekend, they were talking about just how like at church, there's like two numbers that are reported every week, the attendance of last week and the like offering. And I, so the reason I asked is like, if the unity center came first, you were in the mindset of like, Mm -hmm. people will give. And I, you know, but like, I can, can, I just can picture being like, yay, we are going to allow everyone. And then like that first month where I'm counting my box of money, I'm like, it's not enough money. (laughs) Did you, did you ever have those moments where it was scary, where like the, the revenue went down and you got nervous about it or did it, did just the universe provide and it flowed or? You know, the revenue had been down plenty even before that. So I think we were at, at time. So no, I, I know. I think Fox was really good to us. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, we saw a lot more people on the box. So, you know, that was a. No, I, I think, again, that's one of the reasons we waited. Because people ask me, they hear about the box. I had heard about the box. I, I you know, I'd heard Reggie Gold did the box. Mm-hmm. It sounded like the greatest thing, mostly because I hated asking for money. But I realized that was a terrible reason to do the box. So when people ask me, should I do it? I automatically say no. And they say, well, how do you know? I say, well, because you're asking me. <laughs> you know, so, so you know, when, when you feel... Like I did. And it was after the first two Panama missions. We had taken care of thousands of people without any attachment to uh, symptoms, to, to money, to, to we weren't attached to anything. Uh, you know, we didn't know if we ever see the person again. 
it was beautiful. It was, it was absolutely pure. beautiful. It was pure. It was no thought. There was no attachment. And I said, and a lot of people came back from these missions and said, well, uh, this sucks because now what do I do? It can never be like that mm. in my practice. So, so fortunately, you know, our choice was, well, maybe what was different there was us. You know, maybe, maybe it was our consciousness. Maybe it was our lack of fear. Maybe it was our lack of attachment to things that don't matter. And so the box was actually a, a, one of the ways that we sort of forced ourselves to do the work so we could be in that same loving and free vibration in the practice that we were in Panama. We decided to change ourselves and to, you know, I considered getting rid of my tables and my CA and putting in some black metal folding chairs and making it really hot and, you know, you know trying wait, to do Wait a minute, wasn't off. Hillary kind of your CA at this point? <laughs> yes. Well, okay. You get out of here, lady. Well, oh, I, I, I wasn't. She wasn't included. We, we had a, a front desk CA and we had a, a back uh, office CA as well. Yeah. So I was, I guess, I, I guess my title was CA too, but you were the office manager. There we go. Co-owner. I was the, I was the liaison to the people's minds, to their hearts, you know, mm-hmm. I educated them a lot. You know, they'd walk in and I would, I wouldn't ask them how they were because I wouldn't want to hear about their symptoms, but, you know, I'd ask how their consciousness was. So I, again, got them started thinking about their role as healer coming in for chiropractic adjustments. I would get them thinking about the life within them before they got adjusted. So I was. And then for years, you do different. some Reiki on them before they got adjusted. So they were people, people were ready. That's oh, cool. Wow. You it would say, you know, the weight will as Hillary is. <laughs> <laughs> we have just diminished Kirby tremendously. <laughs> Kirby. People would be waiting in the waiting room and I'd hear them say, my back is killing me. And I would say, you know, I hope not. Your body is believed to. My daughter would find them a quarter. That, was a, that, that. Was a, that cost you a quarter to say something like that. <laughs> so. We threw office parties with all the money we collected for uh, inappropriate words <laughs> i like that a lot like so, manipulate treat and uh, so did you with with that style and that philosophy did you just attract people who were already receptive to that to your office or did you have to transition construction worker with a sore low back and you would get them to that place where they would accept reiki and believe that there's such a good question that's such a good question kirby kirby i'm gonna puff you up kirby for the rest of thank you so (laughs) i need (laughs) that was the best question yet (laughs) uh you know what um i think one of the beautiful things about how we ran things is i did not prejudge anybody Uh, i i and that came from being wrong like 90% of the time. So, and so I decided, and I know this goes against a lot of conventional practice management wisdom, but I, but I decided to treat doesn't cost me a quarter. If I use it generically. And he's air quoting people. So yes, everyone the same way, whether it was like the president of the United States who I happened to like probably at that time, um, or, you know, some homeless guy off the street. And what I found was everybody, Everybody would hear my talk, which was not watered down or diluted or uh, in any way, shape or form. And almost everybody, especially as the years went by, was like, duh, 
It's like, yes, that's exactly what I believe. I, I probably never would have said it that way, or I probably couldn't have said it that way, but I, that resonates at least, or yes, this, this, I, I thought I was coming here for this, but now I realize why I'm here. So, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, Kirby. No, no. That, I mean, that. honestly, that that's that's amazing, and I I love to hear that because I do think you know with with our practice there is a bit of well we need to attract the right people we need to market to the right people these other people might not get it so let's how do we do that yeah and how do we do that without limiting our own consciousness and what's possible right see and my answer would have added on to Stu's that to your question would have been both that you don't have to worry about your marketing to attract your certain clientele because just by us being who we were and putting out that energy, energy attracts like energy, they're going to find us. And the other people, whether they understood what was going on there or not, or they wanted to stay in their, you know, box mentality that they came in with, they were accepted in that way. So they didn't feel like they were out of place. They might've thought we were weird. We got that a lot. They'd laugh about us, you know, but they still felt included and safe. And they knew that they felt better after they left our office. And that was the most important thing and that they mattered when they were in there and they got seen and heard. And so the other people that were attracted to our energy their lives, yeah, their lives exploded and, and they changed if they were open to it. You know, like we just saw such dramatic changes in people. They didn't look the same maybe after six months or a year. So you can have both. You know, why would you want to exclude those people that don't yeah, want that? Plus they, they tend to exclude themselves, you know. That's true. Not, if they don't resonate. So, um, yeah. So I just, just similarly, we, we, at some point started hugging everybody. I remember we used to have hug days <laughs> as an excuse to hug everybody. And then it just morphed into everybody got a hug. And, and to me, I, I don't know a more natural thing to do after a chiropractic adjustment than a hug. So it was, but, but I actually would occasionally have a, a wife usually who would say, you know what? I'd really love for my husband to come in here, but I don't think he'd be into the hug thing. And I'd say, you know what? I don't have to hug him. If he, if he doesn't want to be hugged, I, I can refrain. And, and then so so ninety nine out of hundred times in that scenario, the guy would come in and I adjust him, or we you know we'd have the first visit or whatever, and I'd, I'd go to leave the room and he'd be like, ah, "Where's my hug? <laughs> where's my hug?" And I'm like, "I thought you didn't like hugging. Who told you that?" <laughs> you know, so anyway, I thought I thought it's of that true. when you it's said true. the gruffest, you know, and we have a lot of gruff. We have a lot of gruff. We have a bit of a redneck vibe going here <laughs> i say that with love and and yeah it, it didn't matter everybody not everybody was immediately like totally open and embracing of the principles we were advocating but like hillary said they uh, most people um started for at least four months which is what we asked them to do if they wanted to get started and use the box do you feel this is like a loaded question here? Actually, I'm just going for like to try and beat Kirby's questions. Um, <laughs> so, no, <I'm> just <laughs> Do you feel so? One of the things that I've been going through in my own personal journey as a chiropractor um, is just realizing how much I water it down. And, you know, I think part of that, not to make excuses for myself, is I didn't start year day one 
full on fire with um, the truth or, you know, and it took a while to get it. And then like, I have this, like, well, I used to be this way. And so it was almost like this embarrassment. And so I'm starting to, as I like peel these layers off, really realize all the different ways in which I kind of chicken out or water it down for patients. And then I get frustrated that they don't get it. Do you, here's the question. (laughs) Do you feel like chiropractors water it down more now than, you know, back in the Sigfus and the Reggie gold days? Because I think like this doesn't do us any service, but, or has it always been an issue of wanting to water it down? Uh, in my experience, it hasn't changed that much. I mean, even in the Sigafoos, Reggie Gold days, is still the minority of chiropractors who were uh, into them or following them. So the, the, the political strength was still more medical or whatever you want to call it, more mechanistic. So I think we've always watered it down. And a lot of us didn't know any better. A lot of us didn't know what we were watering down, you know, What is that human nature? Because like you said, is when you started really expressing, you know, what, what chiropractic was and talked about love and like, I I would pay a lot of money to that box to sit in one of your health talks. (laughs) But like, I imagine you didn't water it down at all. And the rough and gruff and the everyone in town, you know, they kind of saw themselves in that talk. So what, is it about human nature if when when if the soul recognizes truth and when you refuse to water it down 99 plus percent of people could see themselves in your message why is it so difficult for chiropractors to be truthful because <laughs> this leads into another big topic but because we're in our heads because We've always learned to communicate at the level of our heads, the level of our thinking, the level of our opinions, the level of our perceptions. We, we never, as a species, we never learned how to communicate at the level of our heart, of our common needs and desires. So I think that I didn't know anything about this per se uh, then, but apparently we were doing that. We were, we were connecting with people at a different level. And I was again, doing the work that we were doing at the time was able to stay in that place myself, which helped me do that and and say that. And and most of the energy I got back from people, especially who had been with me for a long time, was like, it's about time. Like like they were waiting, you know, they'd already felt it or something. And so it was almost like a relief to them that I was actually saying the things that were maybe congruent with what they were feeling from me already. So... Well, see, that's what I was going to say when the original question was asked whether we, from you learn, whether we water it down now more than in the past. And my, my answer would have been no. Like we don't have maybe Sigafooses and Reggie Golds and Dean Blacks and that, the leadership there. But in my experience, all the chiropractors I know in the whole sphere of the global world, you know, because of Stu's work with them, they're all speaking out and being strong chiropractic warriors. And then I'm realizing it's because we do the heart work with them. You know, that that's our whole thrust, you know, when we're a couple, um, 
is is connecting our minds to our hearts and everything we do comes from that place of heart and wisdom and core values so so that's it so i i think what you're saying you, you well part of the reason it seems like it's gotten better in that regard is because that's so who we, i know we started hanging out with the right <laughs> yeah people. that's who i know <laughs> but you know I, I am still aware there's other mm-hmm. ideas in chiropractic for sure as you as you've traveled and spoken all over the world does there seem to be any difference in culture or background where one geography like is more receptive to your message is like the is like america more in their heads and unable to connect where somewhere else is better or is it that would be a good summary of it (laughs) well let's see the the top would have been panama when i didn't say a word that was the Mm. deepest level of connection i felt with people Uh, the people who were most accepting of my message were the people who didn't hear a word from and that's an interesting idea right so and then i would say europe for me has been more receptive sort of less convinced of things already even though a lot of the things chiropractors are convinced of around here don't give them any joy or mm. or anything but it's it's still what they're convinced of so yeah i, I felt a little more openness a little more and, and especially to my particular approach and my message uh, i haven't found the same niche in my home country for for the love thing <laughs> <laughs> interestingly What's the Jesus thing? A prophet is always hated in his homeland. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, have remembered yeah, that very often. I no longer schedule, <laughs> Let it come I no longer schedule events <laughs> in Lake Tahoe, I can tell you that. It's really my hometown, so I got multiple things working against me. It's, it's bizarre, I know, but um, that's the way it's turned out for me. So, I, I you know, and... <laughs> You know, I haven't had as much experience speaking here now, probably over the last 15 years. I, I'm sure people are receptive to it here. I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to make judgments like that because and I, and I think that people are going to be incredibly receptive to it. If chiropractors aren't more receptive to it after these last couple of years, I don't know what it's going to take. But yeah. the world, you know, they've always been ahead of us anyway. Dickie Santo used to say, why are you afraid to tell the truth? They they are, you know, they're all buying books about what you have to say. You know, half the bestseller list in nonfiction is always about chiropractic to me. It's like they're making millions of dollars talking about what we've had. And they don't even have a tool. They don't even have a tool to bring that into expression or bring it to life. So, so we have so much more to offer. And so, yeah, you know, remember that, Lauren? It's uh, they they want it. They they are they're craving it. They mm-hmm. and they already they already know it from you, you know. And I would be surprised if you just like came through with somebody that you haven't quite given the whole message to. Who says something like it's about time or or you know welcome mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of your guys's work with chiropractors, is that kind of like square one of what you do of like, okay, let's connect you with your heart and like learning to speak from your heart because a lot, I mean, you're 12 days to your heart, like a lot, your, you guys talk about speaking or like your heart. Can you, if somebody has no idea what I'm talking about, um, can you, can you just like talk about how you start to take 
a chiropractor or any human and like connect them with their heart? I guess we start in basics, breathing, feeling, feeling what we call a renewing emotion, um, something that makes you feel good, um, empowered, peaceful, safe. And, and we incorporate various tools like that, different exercises, and we kind of weave it through with chiropractic philosophy and being a chiropractor, just kind of like what we've been doing here today, talking about it. So we run people through exercises so they get a, a taste of it and experience of it. And but it's not just about a weekend of something really. It's it's people have to go home and keep at it, keep keep working at it doing whatever that is, whether it's working with one of us, both of us, or doing their own thing. But it doesn't just happen from a weekend experience, unfortunately, because of the way we've been brought up. We're going to run back to our old habits of mind thinking. and Yeah. And I, after we met Stu in Sedona, um, I did you guys as 12 days to the heart and it was wonderful. And I tried to keep the practice going afterwards, both in daily meditation and then trying to find moments in life. But it always feels like inevitably the, the world gets in or you, you're not doing it every day and it kind of slips away. Do you guys go through those same ebbs and flows or do you have such a strong practice now that you know and you catch it before it gets too far away? I'll put it in a plug though before Stu says that's that's why you have coaches to keep you accountable yeah. right and we but, tend to do that for each well, other so yeah but we definitely have lapses I mean almost every year the summer tends to be a lapse in our what we call our discipline because mm. I don't like the word discipline at all Reminds me of push-ups, which I've never been crazy about. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, even though we're hiking and enjoying nature and thinking we can get away with it, there's oh, we always notice a difference. So I think we've gotten so in tune with how it can be and how it usually is that when uh, things seem a little testy or we're not as resilient or um, we get back to the work a lot more quickly, but we, but we've done so many things over the years that it doesn't always have to be the same. So it doesn't get stale or, yeah. or anything, but Kirby, you're not alone. I mean, we have, we all have an unlimited capability of stopping things that work. Don't we? It's, it's amazing how you seem to, at least personally, I forget how good I can feel. And then mm -hmm. when I restart my practice, I'm like, Oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Mm -hmm. But then you, I don't know what shade comes over you that you just it, it's like it exits your mind somehow. It's so true. That's that's why we're you know heavily into the sort of ritualizing it, do, structuring your life around it. Like you know, because a lot of people will say, "Well, I'll do that when I have time," and I'm like, mm. "Yeah, right, sure, sure, you will." And and <laughs> so so a lot of my work with clients, at least at first, is to get them on some kind of regular uh, schedule of discipline. You know, because they want to do it and they've tried to do it and they've dabbled and they stop. And it sounds like a lot of things that you say, but, you know, I don't want to lose this point either. What you just described a lot of times is why people stop coming in. It's not like it's not that they didn't get benefit. It's not that they didn't love it. It's not that they didn't love you. It's like we all make stupid choices to stop doing stuff that works. 
Or well, we self-sabotage so, ourselves well, for whatever the reason is, yeah. So, yeah, so... I, I, I just wanted to throw that in for those of our listeners who still beat themselves up for days when somebody leaves as if they did something wrong necessarily. Yeah. I mean, we were, and we've all gone through that. So, so aren't believe it or not with, with not watering it down can come the possibility of somebody leaving. And, and, and I always felt sad. I mean, I, I always felt like I was just sad or disappointed because I knew I could help them. But I also had this feeling like what I imagine a mother Eagle feels when the fledglings leave the nest, it's like, I've done what I can for this person and they're never going to be the same, you know, and they're going to fly higher than they ever could, whether they stayed forever or not, you know? So, so, and knowing that I've made bad decisions as far as things, you know, Bill Estev once asked a huge crowd at Parker, how many people think it's an important thing to floss your teeth and 96% of the people uh, raise their hand. He said, okay, how many of you have ready access to dental floss? And, you know, maybe 95% of the people raise their hand. Okay, how many of you floss every day? Yeah. You know, and you can see everybody kind of wanted to, but it was maybe 30% of the room. And he goes, so let me get this straight. You know it's good for you. You have ready access to it, and you don't do it. This, this was his response to that chiropractic thing about if they knew what I knew, they would do what I do. Well, exactly. They do exactly what I do. They stop doing things yeah. sometimes yeah. at work. So, so the idea is, you know, for them, the idea is to give them the space because a lot of them come back, obviously, and a lot of them come back seeing more importance because they <laughs> didn't realize how good they were feeling and stuff. But um, yeah, just 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 wanted to include that because that was a big one for me too. So what does yeah. what does your guys's individual daily practice or discipline look like? Do you have different ones? Did you come to something together? Do you do it together or is it separate? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we're big advocates on starting off our day. Um, which we're together. So starting off our day in the right way, which means meditating for us, because otherwise our day can get away from us. And, you know, you wake up, you're in a bad mood or you got things to do, or you're just not connected with each other. And there goes the whole day. So when we meditate together, I mean, we would do that before we went into the office. It might've been shorter in those days. You know, we didn't have that much time, but it's just vital to connect and what else we do we besides meditate we connect we ask each other while we share how we're feeling i thought you were about to check in sex every day i was like damn boy no but no i don't like morning sex it's too fast so so just like get that <laughs> so go go the afternoon's better or even i was better. about to propose it to add something to the morning routine man. it doesn't take a lot of time you already just covered that <laughs> okay i'll just say it we really have to connect with each other yeah. you know and so we share how we're feeling um you know like for, if you still have something on your mind like i sh i should have said this to patient yesterday and you know so it's eating at you when you're making yourself wrong and you're making yourself small and it's going to affect how i am with him i'm going to close myself off so then i get to share that with him and he gets to support me he gets to remind me hey you know it's nice That's, when we find out the other has gotten up on the wrong side of the bed without having to find out. If, you know what I mean? Later. Yeah. 
and then we share kind of our intention for the day as far as our mostly about how we're going to show up for each other. And the idea of that is like, you know, we know we're going to disconnect on things. We know we're going to forget. We know um, there's going to be things that we have different perspectives and strategies on. That's virtually guaranteed. And yet, you know, we want to establish right now that we're on the same team and that, you know, as things come up, we want our intention anyways to stay on the same side together and work on the thing instead of letting it get in between us. So it's like renewing our vows just essentially every, every day. So that's why I said we have a date every day. I mean, we, we really do make each other feel special that way and give each other our entire focus, at least for just that time, even if we're not going to see each other for the rest of the day, or we got different things going on. Lately that during the day stuff has been heart math tools that Hillary, Hillary started to talk about just, just, and when we're together, We'll actually set a timer for once an hour to stop for 30 seconds. And we ask each other, it's a heart math question, where are you on the grid? In other words, like, uh, are you in depleting emotions? Are you in regenerative emotions? Are you like in sympathetic? Are you in parasympathetic? So so we just stay, say what we're feeling. And then we do like, again, 15 seconds of heart breathing and bringing in a, a, a different feeling if... If we're on the left side of the grid, the depleting side. Which is a great chiropractic tool in the office. Great you know, pre-adjusting like tool, for sure. Yeah. Before you go into a patient, after you've left one patient, or you, you wanted to tell somebody something and you didn't, and you're feeling bad, get back into your strength and power before the next adjustment. So. There, but, and then we do things individually. I do some journaling in the morning. Sometimes I, uh, and gratitude, some kind of gratitude practice. So at the end of our day, we get together again. We've done this since my daughter was two or three years old. We each take turns saying things we were grateful for today. And, you know, nothing is not an acceptable uh, response. So, you know, we, the other two would just wait. We all got better and better at it. Uh, you, you start paying attention more during the day because you know you're going to have to list some things that you're grateful for. And then once we do that, we each take a turn and share something we liked about the other two. My daughter doesn't live with us anymore, so we just do this together now. So, And something we liked about ourselves. Right. Oh, like one right. thing we like about the other person and one thing we like about ourselves. And liked. Yeah, specifically that day. And then so. sometimes if like, I remember I was in a bad mood and I'm like, I don't want to participate. I don't want, I don't. and Stu would just keep saying, give me one thing you liked about yourself. Nothing. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's just a way to help and support each other and stay connected. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember, and, and- so then he would keep asking me and I came up with something I liked about myself. So it's a great way to recognize, yeah, there's always something to like about myself, even when I'm feeling really rotten about myself or thinking I'm worthless or whatever I'm thinking. Yeah. So you saying that kind of, um, I would love your wisdom to, maybe the the younger marriages that so I feel like literally 10 minutes this is God's honest truth 10 minutes before getting on this I picked a fight with Kirby about the kitchen being messy a lot more lately and I feel like 
where did like you're when you're describing your morning and it sounds like you had such beautiful boundaries around when you let the the like the the stuff the the meaningless stuff that inevitably or like soaks into running a household, running a business, making sure your child has clean underwear and brushes her teeth. So she does, you know, like, like, did you have, like, how did you protect that and then allow the worlds to meld? Because I know you had to have fights about the dishes, right? Well, we still do. I'm sorry to tell you, you still, you will always have fights into your nineties. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's well. Just I don't know. I think that kind of helps to know yeah. that. Like, so then, how you know? They how do you? Yeah, integrate those. But it worlds. changes. Yeah, it they, does they change. They get less serious. They, we, we realize faster and faster that this is not what we want to do. That our intention is to connect. And I think. And I think that has happened a lot more since we started doing the intention to do that in the morning. Cause, mm-hmm. um, but we certainly forget, we certainly get into stuff or ridiculous things, but, but that's another thing we, you know, it's more and more of an awareness that it's, as they say in spiritual circles, it's never about what it's about. Mm. Right. So, so, you know, like checking in and getting under that and like, what's re- what's really going on here? You know, we're much quicker to, to address that or even not to have to address it, but to realize it ourselves, if it's us and to volunteer and to, and to talk about it. So this, this stuff works, you know, see our solution to that would be to like, after we have fights like that, we'll go back after when we can go back and be really honest about it but first we have to connect heart to heart and once we've connected heart to heart beyond like what was missing for you there what happened what you know what was it about and and then i reacted this way which so this was my part in it because it's we come at it it's about both of us it's not just ever one person mm-hmm. you know and, and even if are you guys able to diffuse each other in those situations so like I just picture if Lauren's mad about the kitchen and I go, what are you really mad about? She'll go, the goddamn kitchen. <laughs> well, Don't make a this better, about yes. something else. Yes. Shut up. It's the kitchen. A better question. No, within better. minutes we were talking about much deeper stuff. Okay. Yeah, we did. Yo, so but- if we were counseling you guys, Kirby, <laughs> I would ask you what you thought she needed in that moment. Oh, yeah. And I, I that that is the thing that we did. And I like that because I'm going to throw that in his face when he tries to ask me, what is this really about? What do you think this is about? <laughs> so if, you know, again, if, if and, and obviously the intention to connect is vital to all of the, you know, to any possibility of this happening. So that's really the thing that we work hard to embrace and remember that no matter what's going on, we would prefer to be connected. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. I mean, so, so if I'm disconnected, it's because I, you know, there's some need or something missing for me, some need that's not being met. And obviously, you know, through the dynamics of relationship, I tend to first blame that on her because she's supposed to meet all those, whether I say it or not. And, you know, so, (laughs) so, so if I am grounded, I wouldn't ask her what she needed. I say, well, it's important to you that I, that the kitchen is clean, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And, and, and Laura would go, yeah. And, and you're connected. Yeah. You know, uh, so <laughs> sounds easy. And, and sometimes we 
do this. Sometimes we can diffuse it right off the bat because one of us grounded enough to realize what's going on. Some, you know, but still often we have to sort of go through the different approach. <laughs> I have a little, I have a lot of little signs from all our years of fights and what I would wish we had done or I had done differently. I have a little sign in my book that I look at every day right now that's reminding me I would rather be loving and kind and respectful to Stu, no matter what I think, whether he's wrong or stupid or doing whatever that is contrary to my needs, but I remind myself again that I am responsible for the peace between us. And that's the most important thing that I want to maintain respect and kindness and love and figure out a different way to do things. So. And this is why the heart work is so important because mm -hmm. it's a place you can always go where you can remember these things or you can sink into when you've forgotten it's yeah it's i think it's it's vital to my interpretation of turn the other cheek it's like i i've been I've re, i'm reacting on this level of consciousness that is purely in my head and purely based on my old filters and stuff there's another part of my consciousness around here somewhere <laughs> a much yeah. more enlightened part a much more part that can see wholeness and possibilities and remember well what's important to me and that's always right here so yeah. to, you know to, to to be aware that i'm not where i want to be and to know where to go that can help it are two vital parts of, of all this work. Well, and I love what you said about the, the check-ins throughout the day with your heart, because I find the days that are the worst is when I don't, and then I can get going down a path for hours and hours, and I'm building a mood, and I'm building a narrative in my head, and that's when a lot of energy can get stored up as anger or frustration or resentment or whatever but like if you do that hourly check-in you can you can catch it when you're only a few feet off center instead of miles away and that's of course something you could do when you're not together too i mean it's just always nice to check in with yourself about where you are for me it's it's been really important just to continually remind myself of who i want to be that i want to be this kinder more loving person because that wasn't who I was, that, you know, that was my default. And so I go back to it when I don't connect in with my heart, was being mean, nasty. Oh. I just wanted to, I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that's, this is my self-worth. My whole life is to stay connected to my hearts and figuring out all the ways, all the tools that I could use to stay connected to my heart so I can be the person that I enjoy being and not have to have, you know, regrets because I wasn't that person. Yes. Or... So we like to give each other lots of practice. <laughs> it's hard because I feel like there, like when you are staying in a peaceful, communication, loving, kind, heart-centered relationship, it's not very sexy. And I'm not saying that like, I want to pick a fight with Kirby because that would be, but like, that's not the stuff you see on like romance movies and things like that. And sometimes I struggle, you know, kind of calling back to like the masculine feminine energy of like, you know, Kirby definitely holds a lot more feminine energy than 
your average bail. And it's what my true self loves. It's what my true self attracted into my life. And it's what I would choose every single minute of every day. But sometimes I'm just like, can't you just get like jealous? Can't you just like stick up for me like a alpha man he's like wait you want me to punch someone I'm like well not really but like Uh, oh if you could just get angry like sometimes I like I've said to him before like I I choose the zen part of you as my partner but like sometimes like what I want for my masculine male is the opposite of that, you know? And so like, I, sometimes I struggle with like that, like if my, if we're both trying to become such yin and yang, then it doesn't really allow the clashing that um, sometimes is the drama of, of passion or does that, does that make sense? It does. Except when the kitchen's messy. It does. But I think yeah, that, that's how I do four plays too. Pick a fight about the kitchen. <laughs> Maybe that's why the kitchen is always messy. Ooh, could be. Well, but it's not the clashing, I would say. It's like what need is getting met when if he was that alpha male to punch the other guy in the nose. So maybe the need being met is, you know, you, for you, for you to know I matter to him or, mm. you know, or that he would do anything for me, you know, and that's really what you're looking for, but it's mm. the strategy that you're saying would satisfy that is not a very healthy strategy, no, but agree. there can be another strategy <laughs> that can satisfy that need. Yeah. And, and it's like every time. So, so the more or the quick, more quickly we reconnect, like after we realize it's like a possibility for makeup sex every single time. It's like, it's like, to me, it's very sexy because we're establishing and reestablishing that connection, which is a very intimate thing and a very, kind of vulnerable thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it builds intimacy and it builds it, it's sexy I, I find it it's sexy. really sexy yeah. so so keep holding that vision we'll keep working <laughs> and keep oh, the kitchen God. messy you will have lots of <laughs> we're getting a podcast and a marriage counseling session oh, that's what every episode like if you go back and listen to almost 90 percent of guests that are on end up turning into some sort of a personal therapy session for myself so i i joke with my listeners that really they're just you know privy to my therapy this is all about me i don't need really listeners this is just all a hope (laughs) oh well we want to be super respectful of your guys's time before we because your daughter is visiting right surprise visit is that we said she is she's leaving tomorrow briefly she's coming back so for people who um are new to hearing you speak um, or just have heard you speak multiple times before, but want more of this in their life? Like, where can people connect with you? Do you do coaching? Like you've brought it up a couple of times. Are you still doing coaching? Like how can people have more? more? Yeah. We both do coaching. I coach most of my coaching is for chiropractors, but I have some non-chiropractic clients because even with the chiropractors, it tends to be more personal development, Mm -hmm. heart space. Hillary is a uh, certified in heart math as a resilience mentor. So building just, resilience. Building resilience mentor. 
Yes. It's getting longer all the time. You're yes. <laughs> it's like four initials. Um, so she generally does. Mine's more short yeah, term. Four session okay. over four weeks, kind of teaching people the heart math tools. I do a podcast called Stew on This with dashes between the stew, between the, all the words. And I also do personalized meditations. That's true. Hillary does guided for chiropractors and everybody and for life. Yeah. So you'll see all the links, I think. On the, yep. On yep. I'll, I'll get all your links and I'll put so, them in the notes. So people can find yeah, I'm speaking at Devin Brana's event next week, which will probably be have already happened by the time people <laughs> listen to this. Yeah, but so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, wish I was coming to Mile High because I see Lauren's on the program. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, Kirby's going to be there. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I was the uh, speaker contest winner last year. So that's oh, why God, that's I speak so. there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. We would love, we, we do it. And every Thursday is going to be in your notes too, but every Thursday at uh, 1230 in California, um, we do something called the warrior circle, which is a 25 minute zoom gathering. So I think I gave it a link, but if I didn't, I will. Um, 25 minutes. I speak for about 10 minutes. Hillary leads the guided meditation on that same theme for another 10 minutes. That's, that's it. And, um, we've been doing that for a couple of years since you know what. Yeah. And, um, it shall not us. be named. <laughs> that shall be. We've had a podcast about that. I oh, think yeah. we actually managed to do a whole podcast without using the word. So yeah. that's Holy cow. That, that's remarkable. Well, thank you guys okay. so much. Thank you so much. Oh, gosh. Anytime was fun. And I'm honored to be the other than Kirby. The first, the first boy. <laughs> the first Y chromosome on the yeah. podcast. All right. Oh, thank you so much. And, um, and so I much loved fun. getting a glimpse at um, your journeys together, too, and excited about what the future is yeah. going to hold for you. It's going to get better and stronger. Mm -hmm. Yes. What a good thing for the world. Thank you. And we'll have to yeah. actually get together more than just for podcasts sometime too. Hopefully there'll be conferences in the next years or two that we can actually sit down for a real dinner instead of a, a Zoom meeting. Yeah. Sounds beautiful. I like that. Sounds great. All right. Thank that was great so fun. Much. Thank, Thank you. you. you All much right. love. My, my heart to yours. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Fare thee well. Thank you so much. All right. Um, this will air Beautiful. Easter Sunday. Awesome. Uh, Easter Sunday. Awesome, I know. Awesome, I know. Awesome. That's why I was like, no, I really want to get this in. I told my dentist, I'm like, I will cancel this. I will cancel <laughs> this if you can't have me out by 140. So new beginnings. <laughs> Beautiful. I look forward All right, to you it. Too. Well, keep uh, loving and supporting each other. Yeah, keep up Thank the good you. work. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, 
so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCAD because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. <music>